all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. We are all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard, it's what you make of it, but what if only struggle surrounds you, what can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair, please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through, just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see, you are not alone, you have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know, but if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up, because you got this. Think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Authentic Points of View. I'm your host, Danielle Boer, as always. Oh, woohoo! So, uh, I changed the octave of this woohoo. Uh, today's guest is exciting. He is unique because I don't think I've ever interviewed anybody with his skill set. So I'm excited to learn. Everybody knows I love to learn. And so that's why I do this selfishly a little bit too, is to meet amazing people and learn about different backgrounds and stuff. So, okay, Lulu, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, uh, Danielle. Woohoo! So I'm pleased <laughs> I'm here too. So yeah, it's very exciting to to be on your show. Thank um, you. So a uh, little bit about myself. Me, uh, my name is Liu Liu. So I'm actually Chinese. Um, so I or I can, I sometimes like to call myself Made in China. So <laughs> I um, I am immigrant to the UK, so about 22 years ago. So it's a, it's a quite interesting story. So I was working in the uh, in the university back in China in the language center. So where I was a, um, in the management uh, as a foreign affairs secretary, the language center teaches the foreign students uh, Chinese as a language. And then it's like a complex, you have uh, students come in uh, to learn so we had students from about 100 countries really wow. so the city is called Kunming 
So it's from the Yunnan province. Um, if I don't know how much you know or your audience know about China. So if you look at China, um, the map of China looks like a big chicken. Okay. <laughs> so the the chicken, if you think about the um, uh, for the American people, so you hear a lot about Taiwan these days. So the Taiwan and another island called Hainan Island looks like the chicken seat. Yeah. I... So the, the, the common uh, names like Hong Kong, Shanghai, that's, that's from the chicken's tummy. So I oh. always say to people, I come from the best part of the chicken, the chicken's bottom. So <laughs> it's a southwest of the country. <laughs> so, yeah, so that province borders with the Vietnam and the Myanmar. So, yeah, so back to the story where I was working there in the language center. So that's my first uh, exposure to these um, international uh, people and the cross-cultural working. So where I met my wife, and she's from the UK. Awesome. Uh, she came there and um, did uh, nearly three years study and uh, working there. So we got married. Uh, we lived in Thailand for a year, and then we came to the UK. Um, so I had to build a career from scratch all over again. So when I came to the UK, everything seems to be just reset to zero. So whatever I had and have done in China doesn't count anymore. As an immigrant, you just have to start from scratch. So um, so put a, keep the long story short. So I worked my way up from the uh, post room or the mail room in the US, it's called, uh, in the organization um, I'm working now all the way to the uh, current level two uh, senior manager in the organization it is a wow. international organization we work in 50 countries it's a, a, a humanitarian organization so now i'm leading a cross-country team working in these 50 countries so it's quite a journey it's quite a journey wow i just want to say that that's a beautiful story and that's awesome. And I'm so proud of you uh, for being, Thank you. you're welcome. Like so well adjusted and you just adapt to whatever, like a chameleon. I think it's, a, it's a, I mean, that's amazing. So, wow. Was it now I know China, I don't know. I, that's amazing story. Thank you for telling us about the chicken. I love it. And the chicken's <laughs> bottom. Uh, but I um, I know that China is very populated. Like there's a lot of people in yeah. uh, China. So how did you adjust from living in? Because Thailand is very small, right? Is that so? Yeah, how relatively, did you, yeah. So what was the like change that you had to make or... um? Or was it easier to go from very populated China to Thailand? Yeah. So this journey of moving, uh, leaving China and come to uh, the UK, stop over in Thailand, actually forms part of not just my life story, but also um, contributed towards what I'm doing now. So it's all about cross-cultural, cross-cultural living and cross-cultural working. So like you say, um, China is very populated. It's not just population, but also uh, China is a, 
called a quite group culture, if you like. So people live uh, in uh, connected in a lot of social groups. So you are one of the group. You are one member of the group. So while um, Thailand similarly, because the Asian culture, but population-wise, better less. And then when I came to the UK, it's uh, the the polar opposite movements. It's like the the Anglo-Saxon culture. Mm, um, yes, it's quite individual culture, and the UK is a island country. And um, I remember the first impression I had when I landed. I was like, "Where are the people?" Because they. <laughs> Because in China, it's like you you are shoulder to shoulder with people yeah. everywhere you go. And then when I landed here in the town I'm living now, I was wondering, so where are the people? And then uh, as the years goes by, and then uh, later on when I went back to China to visit, and then I was like, where do they all come from? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's this constant uh, uh, shift and change. So I learned to... Um, to uh, like you said, the camellia is the right word. If you like, it's about uh, adaptability. So the work I do, because I, the work I, my day job, if you like, I work with people in fifty countries. I personally have traveled to uh, over thirty of them. Wow! To carry carry out like uh, managing project, monitoring, uh, delivering training, and uh, various other tasks. So. That's what really built up uh, my uh, experience and uh, my my knowledge and learning about how to work cross culturally. Yeah, so it is exciting and sometimes can be hairy as well. And <laughs> um, it's um, everything I suppose, like you said, had its ups and downs and had its double edges. So I remember one year, uh, I just traveled too much at one point. I think. On average, I used to do five, six trips a year to different wow. countries. And so it's a huge adjustment to you mentally. And then I remember very clearly the one once, I don't remember the year, but I remember that night I woke up um, in the in a hotel in the capital city of Mali, West African country, uh, Bamako. So I woke up in the middle of the night in a hotel and my mind just went wandering thinking, Asking myself which which country am I in? Oh, so wow. that that's all. That's quite a moment. So actually, maybe I need to slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, all of this really made me um, aware and learned how to work with people from different countries, different cultural back backgrounds. Yeah, that's amazing. That is a skill that is really i mean like innate in you like i feel like you you teach that as your job as well but i feel like you also have to kind of naturally have that want and need and care and compassion for others and non-judgment like you know you have to because all of our cultures are different and so um how is your circadian rhythm like how do you sleep when you're going through all these time zones and countries and traveling hours. And uh, I know Africa from us, certain countries, I actually dated a guy that was from Ghana uh -huh. and um, I lived in Maryland though. So United States. So you're closer, uh, I believe, but it was like a 13 hour flight, but that wasn't sure. even nonstop. Like he had to stop. And so yeah, 
how's your body uh, like even adjust or adapt to this like how do you get used to it um it's interesting i suppose i never thought too much of it i think it's just uh, each individual is different so some people find it easier uh, to adjust than the others or uh, be more specific depends on which direction you're flying some people find it's easier to go west than to the east Oh. So I didn't actually have particular problem with um, time difference. But I do find at one point when I uh, travel from um, UK to Cambodia for a few years, um, that was quite difficult because it's eight hour difference. So the same with China. So if you go eastwards, that's eight hour difference. So that can... Uh, can really affect you, but technically, I think you just force your body clock. So you basically you're aimed at adjusting to the destination time and to um to force your body to adjust to that. Yeah. Hmm. But it's not always nice because you you feel like um the first few days it can feel like you're having a constant hangover because you feel <laughs> a little bit nausea. <laughs> yeah, I know, especially if you have like, say, for instance, I, I love to interview people, um, you know, from the future. And so you're from the future to me <laughs> or the past. And so um, I I love it. It's so fun. Uh, but the like I interviewed somebody from Australia. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like even trying to schedule the interview was so difficult because yeah, where he was. It was 14 hours of head or, That's or right. and That's so right. I was, I was like, I wasn't even traveling, but I still yeah. <laughs> had a hard time trying yeah. to figure it out. But it, that's why I said you're like a chameleon because not only do you learn, you know, how to communicate, you're helping everybody strengthen their skills and their, you know, um, communications, everything, but you are physically going there into all these places and having to adapt and adjust to their world. Like it's not just like a zoom call. Like you're in the UK, I'm here, yeah. you know, you're That's not right. in Atlanta. I know that if you came to Atlanta area, that would be different. <laughs> like it's yeah. different here. Yeah. So, um, my, actually my son, I have several kids, but my oldest son is mixed with Japanese. And so I love, and I don't want this to sound any come off any kind of way um or just make it seem like everybody's the same because they're not but I love Asian cultures because I um lived with them for a while and they actually were Buddhists um SGI yeah. and so everybody would come and chant with them at the in their school and everything and so they had all these and they celebrated the Chinese New Year they celebrated all those things together and we um would have rice cakes with the different women it was so mm. fun but anyways so um, just how intelligent everybody was. And the sad part was, is that his grandmother actually, I think at 14 years old, snuck on a boat from Tokyo, like, I mean, on her own, like, yeah. it, which is amazing and brave in itself. And she just like, she passed away a few years ago and I was very close with her and she was like a mother to me and I'm getting emotional, but that was very hard. But anyway, 
she taught me a lot and but she had no confidence and it was so hard because she was so smart she was one of the smartest women i ever have known and all of the women i mean i love them and there was women from uh there was vietnamese uh not so much filipino but vietnamese taiwanese chinese korean japanese i mean just so many different cultures mm. and countries and so um and i was friends with their kids and like you know and i just felt like i was part of the family i was like okay and you know they're yeah. like this white girl <laughs> but uh but they treated me as family and at, yeah and it was a nice to be part of the culture but um she just would say stuff that would break my heart because she was so smart and she didn't she had outside like because her kids were mixed so her husband was white and mm. so unfortunately people are cruel and so she would say stuff like i don't know i'm stupid i'm japanese and i'm like no you're not stupid you are intelligent mm. you came you knew no english at all and now mm. you know you're so smart and so um that's something that hurt me because i loved her so much and i wanted her to see herself as i saw her yeah but yeah. i i just really appreciated the like the love and the community like you said like they just welcome you and and everybody treated me so like wonderful and like you know they would kiss you on your cheeks and they would hug you and yeah. it was just like it was it was all love and it wasn't yeah. like there wasn't any like judgmental like oh my beliefs are better than yours and this and that and it was just fun and family and so um and you kind of touched on how the Chinese culture was like everybody's together it's like a big huge yes. you know yeah so and it's interesting because um it's a lovely story how you actually have the this uh, interaction with a lot of Asian people um what you have said here touched on a few of the key things I'm my I'm coaching people on so it's about one like you said the non-judgmental is about when it comes to culture uh we it doesn't matter which culture we are coming from human beings have this tendency called astro uh, astrocentric mm -hmm. uh, meaning we all think or us subconsciously think our culture whether it's west or east or whichever our culture is the best our culture is the only one correct one so so my coaching program is to say to people actually the first starting point is into get rid of that because you can only compare culture in a way to find out the differences but never to go down the route to, to find out which one is better than the other right because the differences makes this uh, richness of the culture so uh, you talked about the word about intelligence. So I named my program called Cross-Cultural Intelligence. Oh. <laughs> so the meaning is that because when it comes to cross-cultural issues, people can uh, have this understanding thing saying that, oh, it's all about communication, uh, which is true. Communication is important part uh, of cross-cultural issue, but uh, the cross-cultural intelligence is like the 
another form of you probably heard about the word uh, uh, emotional intelligence. Yes. So it goes along that line. So it's a state of mind or a soft skill, if you like. So it talks about two aspects. One is how each individual, including you and me, how we understand our own culture, our own behavior, and why do we behave the way we do because of the culture. So understand how we, why we do it culturally from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed, all those behaviors in between, why we do what we do. The other aspect is about how you are willing, open to understand, to learn about other culture and the ability to adapt to other culture. So that's the other side of the cross-cultural intelligence. So that's what my uh, my program um, is about. So uh, in particular, I I mean, I it's not exclusive, but I aimed at the um, middle to senior managers of companies, organizations, because uh, who I am, who have been working for, um, because I saw a lot of pitfalls and the 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 fallout because of this lack of cross cultural intelligence. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm passionate about: to helping people um, to, in a way, is to condense what I have gained in twenty odd years or more to give them in a condensed version, so they can really speed things up in short space of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because I actually, you know, kind of touched on the some of the same things is that like learning different and honestly, like even moving I moved from the north to the south. Oh my gosh. It was yeah. totally different. And so I had to adapt to the language difference. I mean, it's English, but just the words that people use and the vernacular and what meaning has behind it and all this stuff was very confusing. And, um, but you can't, you can't be, well, you can do whatever you want, but you should not be judgmental. And so a lot of cultures, I love meeting people from different, um, countries and different backgrounds and different cultures even different religions and i love to know why like why what does this mean or or why is this important to you or i know with um uh in japan they're very much into bowing and um respect yeah Yeah. and so with me (laughs) oh i miss her so much her name was uh, Michiko, Michiko, yeah. um, but I never called her that. I called her like mom or I don't mm. know what I called her, but she uh, or Mrs. Fr- her last name. She um, used to call me like the respect, like in Japanese culture, she called me Daniel because she didn't say Dan- Daniel um, Chan, which is like the the uh, kid version of. So son is the respect or like, yeah, like in the movie, um, yeah, karate kid. And so people don't understand that has meaning. Like when he says Daniel's son, he's really respecting him because usually in that culture, from what I learned, children would be a chan like that's, you know, and other adults would be son. So there's, right. it's, it's really amazing that if you're not open minded, 
I never thought of it the way that you teach it is that you can really um, hurt your business greatly because you can be be really dividing or not getting clients or relationships with so many people if you are being closed minded or you're not really inviting or, or like not communicating the right way. But if you have a, a fixed mindset, yeah, you're, you're not going to go that far. If that's your, your goal is to have other cultures involved. So that's absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. So uh, another two interesting uh, points you mentioned here, one is about um, the lady address you as Daniel Chan. So in, in Japanese and similarly in Chinese, there is in some other language, this thing called the polite form. So that means it's like a prefix or postfix toward, uh, against the name. It's, a, um, it's both a respect, but as well as it's a social identifier mm-hmm. to uh, play to, for people to know where you are at uh, in the social hierarchy. Oh. So, for example, in Chinese, the language itself, in English, you only have the word cousin, right? Yeah. So then you have to explain to people it's from my father's side, from my mom's side. But in Chinese, all those um, cousins, according to, uh, uh, to start with, your uncles and aunts. So they all depends on the side, if the father's side or the mother's side, each one of them, also according to their age, different, uh, whether it's older than your parents or younger, they all have specific name oh. uh, for that. So you know immediately how to address them then, and then where they are at in, in, uh, in the age or social hierarchical and which bloodline side. So I think the Japanese, I suspect, has the same thing. So um, the other thing you said about make or, make or break for business is absolutely true. Um, one example is uh, it actually happened last week. Uh, uh, one of my staff, she needs to collect some uh, flight data because I work on the environment issue. And then she approached all the different regions. We have six regions, 50 countries dividing. She wow. approached all of them to ask for flight, uh, flight data because she is she's grown up in uh, Costa Rica, mm. but she's a German descendant. So her approach is very German. So she has just went straight to, into the so-called task-oriented approach. Nobody uh, or very few people replied to her email. So, and I, then when she told me that, I, I immediately knew what went wrong. So, and said, let me, let me uh, work with you on this. So then I have to step in to arrange a whole round of meetings with all the finance, finance head of all the six regions, just wow. to have the meet and great meeting and introduce her, introduce um, uh, her, the nature of her task, everything. And then after that, everything's fine. They just said, oh, just go uh, tell us what you need. And uh, yeah, and who do you need to speak to? I'll give you all these names. But without that inter- interaction for relationship-based people, they don't budge. So um, that's a small thing as an organization, right? And then at the bigger country level, I want to give you an example. 
uh, your president, Mr. Biden, oh. <laughs> last year on the news, he went to during the uh, the crisis, Ukraine uh, Ukraine crisis, all the oil dried up, so so forth. So he went to um, he flew to the OPEC meeting at one point. I can't remember the exact date. He flew to the OPEC meeting, asked for the Gulf states to pump out more oil to ease the market. So when I saw that piece of news that morning, I said to my wife, said, no way. I said, he's making a typical cultural blunder. I said, no way they're going to pump oil for you. Because for the Arabs, they are very relationship-based culture. So I said, Mr. Biden, you have never spent a, 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 an hour to just chit-chat and to drink tea with them. No way they're going to pump oil for you. They don't know who you are. Right. So they might, they might respect you as Mr. President, but they don't know who you are as a person. So that's the kind of at a bigger level example. So yeah, so how the understanding of culture would really make a difference. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, absolutely. I just want to tell a quick story about what I saw. And this is in the United States. Okay. So yeah. I, um, um, oh my goodness, uh, Senator Warnock. So I am from, I'm not from, I said I'm from here. Ha ha. I live in Georgia. I actually was born in Hawaii. I lived in Germany twice. My dad was in the military. So I love, see, I love culture. I would live in Germany if it was, if I was allowed. Ah, you have to take a lot of tests. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, my wife is actually half German. Her mom is from Germany. So I have a quite interesting cross cultural experience myself. I love it. Um, What part of Germany? Her mom is from uh, Nuremberg. Uh, okay south bavaria yeah. awesome i love bavaria it is gorgeous have you been oh yes we used to drive there uh, for a holiday for like 15 16 times each year it's so beautiful i i absolutely miss it so much i haven't been back since i was a kid and it like made me so sad we had to leave germany a little early because my dad was a chief warrant officer and he had to go to school in arizona and but anyway yeah. so I, uh, my dad still lives in Maryland. He was stationed in Fort Meade twice. And then I moved to Ohio and then I moved here. But, uh, so in the Atlanta area, um, <laughs> Senator Warnock, he is a, uh, a pastor. And so I just saw this video of Biden, President Biden, the church with him. Sorry, this is. I'm sorry. It's very funny to me. I don't know. Like the title says like Joe Biden's first time in a black church, but it's hilarious because he didn't know what to do. And he was standing there like this and he put his hands up like, like he didn't know what to do. And like, oh my gosh, that's what you don't do. Like you should clap or like, you know, something, but he was just standing there like so shocked, like, yeah, they sing. You know, there's lots of drums. There's it's fun and yeah. and up very charismatic. The black church. Yeah, and so and he's just like, like oh my, it was it was a culture shock for him. But anyway, so that was funny. Um, but uh, when I was little, I learned that I think it was John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, when he went to Germany and he said, "Ich bin ein Berliner." Yes, I remember that. 
Yeah. Jelly donut. Yeah. You are not a jelly donut. You're a person. So, <laughs> but it's just funny that those things absolutely, like you said, senior senior managers and, and whatever, that's important because when you're dealing with different communities and, and cultures, and I got told a story when I was little that I didn't understand what it was. And I was like, what? So uh, we lived in Germany. And so England is very close. And some of the people were dual based. My dad was dual based. I think he was also based in Netherlands. And yeah. um, so this American guy on the base was saying how he got into a bar fight. And I'm little, yeah. I'm like 10. I'm like, what? Why am I hearing this? Uh, but I guess the um, a, a British guy asked him for a cigarette which is a word that is offensive in the United States. And he thought he was calling him a name and he like beat him up. I'm like, what? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Do you know what word I'm like meaning? Um, not exactly, but okay. I know that there are a few other words uh, that is used differently um, uh, in America uh, to England, uh, two words that came to my mind. One is pants, because in the US people will say pants, but in the UK pants means underwear. Oh. So yeah, you only refer to pants as underpants. So because the the outer one is called trousers. Trousers, yeah. And then the other one is called suspenders. Yeah. You know the the one men wear to hold their shirt and the, the hold their um trousers, the yes. old fashioned. In America, it's called suspenders, but in the UK, it's called braces, because suspenders, mm -hmm. uh, in the UK, refers to the ladies' undergarment, what you wear to hold your stockings. They're suspenders, oh. so <laughs> that's why they they always have a laugh. Say, oh, you Americans, you hold your pants with your suspenders. <laughs> So it's quite a picture. Well, yeah, now it is. Now that, now that you tell me that, I'm like, oh, uh, that's funny. Well, people do cross dress, so it could be also literal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, yeah, so, so minor things like this can be quite uh, uh, quite important to be aware. Then, yeah. like you said, then that you might not end up being in a bar fight. You know, actually, it's just the word used differently. Yeah. So. How long have you um, been doing your coaching business? Uh, it's been quite a while, actually. Um, I have been uh, coaching people for um, on and off nearly 10 years. So I cross-cultural intelligence is one of them. And I also coach people on career development, particularly okay. junior staff. Um, so this particular program... Um, it's been uh, going on for, for um, I think, since last year, and it's been running in my own organization uh, with two groups of people at the moment. So it's a 10-week a program. So, yeah, we are on week four at the moment for these two cohorts because of the time difference. We are running one in the morning uh, for people in the UK and uh, in the Asia and Middle East. And then one in the afternoon, UK time, for people in the UK and uh, people uh, from the uh, American countries. Yeah. So it's going quite well. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So 
how did you, how long have you been married to your wife and how did the relationship go when you've been in so many countries? How does she really adjust to that as well? Sure, sure. Uh, we are actually, we were, we were married for um, coming to 24 years this Wow. November. Yeah. Congratulations. So thank you. So um, she herself is quite a cultured person, if you like to call that, because before she got married to me, she also traveled around with her previous work to quite a lot of countries. Um, yeah, Europe, um, Central Europe, and then uh, Asia. The first country to Asia was actually Cambodia. That was in the in the eighties. It's late eighties, just after the Khmer Rouge. It's quite a grim uh, period for Cambodia. So yeah, so she is not a stranger to travel and the culture, and which is quite helpful. Hence, uh, she married me. So there's a family joke about it. When she left England for China to come to work and study, and her mom. Uh, said to her, I don't know how serious she is. She said, don't you bring me back a China man. And then, <laughs> and then she called her mom said, mom, um, uh, I'm dating this Chinese man. Um, so, and her mom kind of said, oh, what did I say to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's always the irony in life, is it? So, but because we both have had exposure to different foreign culture. So when we got married, um, in our wedding vow, apart from all the ordinary one, I actually added two lines in there. It's called to, to understand and to respect. So it's particularly to under God our cultural difference. To say we need to understand and then to respect. Yeah. So we are still learning every day. So apart from the man and the woman difference, we are still learning um, that how we do things differently, how we view things differently. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It, it, you, it enriches your life, actually. I, I um, can imagine. I really just love everybody and I'm so thankful that my dad was in the military and I don't know how I would have well how I would have thought if I just lived in a small town and where my parents are from in West Virginia unfortunately a lot of people are racist and prejudiced and they don't understand other uh cultures or backgrounds because everybody's lived there their whole life their parents Yeah. lived there their grandparents lived there and So it it's really, um, I I'm just glad that that wasn't my instance. I had to live there a couple times, and they I didn't get treated right. My brother didn't get treated right because they were making fun of us and saying that we were acting too whatever and this and that. Yeah. So it it really like they lacked the understanding, but they didn't want to. Like you know, you have to want to. Uh, accept and and learn about other cultures and people That's but right. it's it's a beautiful thing that i got to you know when i was i was in the band in high school in maryland and this was after i lived in germany twice and then came back to maryland and our band was amazing like it was all the ethnicities you can think of i mean 
we were there. And so we did not care about it one bit. We never thought about it. We just were all a family. We were all together. And that's all we cared about until we traveled. And so we went on a trip one time. And I remember people talking about our band. And we were big. We were like a hundred and some. I mean, it was a big band. And people like talking about the members. And then I thought about it and was like, oh, yeah, we are different. But who cares? That's what makes us awesome. Like, mm. that's what is amazing. Because somebody that's, uh, you know, Latino or whatever, or like Spanish culture, they're going to come share their food or, or whatever, or their knowledge with us. And then somebody that's Asian, they're going to bring their stuff. And yeah. then somebody from Jamaica, Africa, you know, like everywhere. I mean, it's just. It, whatever culture we had it and it was so great to just be united that's the yeah. important part was that like a band is supposed to be as one and that's what we were we didn't care about that stuff and it's a shame that people do because that's what makes us like you said it's such a beautiful thing that's what makes the world beautiful is that we are all different we yeah. come from different areas and even like literally like i said even even in germany there's different dialects different countries think about africa all the countries in africa you know some are were british colonized some were uh american colonized so some you know or french or french colonized and british colonized so you know and yeah. and they could be neighbors and one of them learns french as their second language one learns english but yeah. they still you know it's still a beautiful thing and everybody I don't know. I just, I have a different like um, outlook on it and perspective. And I'm glad because, yeah, because I was blessed enough to go to different countries, literally like on the weekend in Germany, if my dad was off, we would go to, to England. We would go to France. We would go to Italy. We would, we went camping in Italy, which was amazing. Um, yeah. I've been to Czech Republic, which my family's actually from there. My grandmother is from there. So mm -hmm. I've got to see different cultures. I got to be a part of it. I, I got to do glass. Like they did the glass blowing and made ornaments and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was the kid that was like, Oh, me. You know, like I wanted to be a part of all the cultures and like if they're making like the wooden shoes or whatever it was or stuff with leather or the glass blowing, like uh, even in um Czech Republic, they had all these glass roses and different things. And I wanted to know, wow, why are we doing like, what does this mean? And then in France, there were a lot of um people from Africa and they were selling jewelry, beautiful mm. jewelry and it had all these like patterns and different prints on them and people would be judgmental even in my class or when we were on a trip the one time and they're like don't buy that from from them i said why i have money i like it i'm gonna mm -hmm. buy it like you know yeah. what what is the point like so um do how do you feel that i know you said it's not just about communication it is very important but what do you think is the biggest i don't want to say restraint like the biggest uh ugh, i don't want to say issue what's the word i'm looking for what's the biggest thing that a person has as far as like a difficulty maybe yeah the biggest difficulty that a senior manager might have that really clashes and loses 
their uh you know perspective relationship with the person i don't know that was a long way to ask a question i'm sorry <laughs> sure no no not at all you raised some uh a few uh, very important issues i'll answer your question first and i'll circle back to discuss a little bit of points you raised there for the senior manager or any manager or manager to be i would say um, i actually recently wrote an article in the magazine called the one missing management tool mm. is about um cross-cultural intelligence. So because I think about my journey, I think about, I look at other people's journey as a manager, you receive a whole school of trainings. Um, you name it, uh, financial management, project management, um, yeah, or the technical issue. But yet I haven't heard or seen anybody carry out those cross-cultural uh, intelligence training for managers so i mean our organization started uh, doing that because of me but by and by and large um people just think i'm a good manager here uh, in say in the states and i can be a good manager everywhere nowadays there are two scenarios you the managers end up in and one is uh, you in your home country you were given a team to manage the team come from different cultural background. Uh, the other is you were asked to go to a different country to lead to work there to deliver result. Yeah, that you're working. The third scenario is actually you uh, you were sent to a, another country, and you manage a team of cross cultural people there. So when you are faced with that, so all your conventional management skills were just fall short. Uh, like I say, this cross-cultural intelligence is a soft skill. So it's much harder to, uh, to, to acquire. So all the other management skills, more uh, hardest, hard skill. So you kind of, there's more set formulas to follow, but this one requires much longer. As to say, it's like you can go to the bookstore buying all those uh, cultural travel books, do's and don'ts in this and that country. And then you, you read as much as you want, and then you come back to your day-to-day management work. You still don't know actually how does that apply. So that's where uh, um, I think managers can do uh, with people like myself to help them uh, to really connect this to how you apply the cultural aspect, you go see things through the cultural lens in your day-to-day management work. Um, The other thing you mentioned in your... um, your story is about this um where does the ethnocentric come from or ethnocentrism come from i was um in this discussion with uh, my fellows the other day because i belong to this uh, uh institute called japan intercultural institute wow. which is kind of a study body um with all the people working in this field uh, the, the 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 head is somebody from us joseph is from san diego from us but he's been living in japan for uh, decades now i suppose so we actually talked about it in there and he has done a um, podcast so the this the point is making that is this um, this astro- astrocentric point of view or cultural bias 
is actually the taught idea is socially constructed. So, like you say, um, the wherever this bias comes from, the kids actually are taught both directly or indirectly when they uh, when they grow up. So, but if you um, if you uh, didn't have that, I would say actually if you you have your parents to thank to, because for for obvious reason for for uh, not obvious for the um, for the way the you know or you don't know, they actually showed you an open mind. They showed you because in a way they taught you not to have bias. So that's why you don't have it. So well, for other families, um, they might not say it overtly, but how they behave uh, will show to the children and then impart all those bias into their children and upbringing and then so on and so forth. That's how you end up. Yeah. I mean, you can change. Um, people do like when they have had exposure to different life experience from their own uh, upbringing, then sometimes people change. Um, that's true. But if you're talking about where the bias coming from is by and large, it's from your upbringing. So all those, because cultural is something is so uh, gentle, uh, but it's so, um, somebody made once made a quote, had a quote say, cultural is something you would take it in from your mom's milk. Mm. So it's it's quite subtle. So it's a day to day, day to day experience forms the culture. Yeah. Also, it's a culture is also a, a social system. How people conduct themselves and how yeah how how they treat each other. Wow. Yes. Um. So I love. This is so awesome. So you're teaching us a lot of stuff, and it really. Even though it's cross cultural, look at me, I can't talk. Cross cultural, um, but it also again can do with just regular, just talking to anybody, right? Because we should always respect people, no matter yeah. where they're coming from. We should always uh, listen. That's important. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and I'm guilty of sometimes people tell me, and I do listen to that uh but i'm guilty sometimes of taking something the wrong way that they say no 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 i don't think that that's how it was meant so it's important in life with any relationship or any um uh friendship or business relationship anything that you really should get the understanding meaning if you do not understand or or if you think it's coming off a certain way clarify Absolutely, yes. absolutely. It's important and, uh, to do. Absolutely. And also, don't forget, use the most powerful tool is your facial expression. So across yeah. the world, our facial expression is most universal. And studies have done uh, to it. So actually, uh, whether you genuinely want to know or you just want to um, snobbishly kind of, yeah, uh, having a view on things, people can tell. So when you ask, just yeah, use your facial expression, use your smile. The other point I want to uh, mention is that 
cross-cultural doesn't always mean cross-country. Mm. Because like you said, uh, within one country, very often you would find the regional culture. So that's also a form of cross-culture. And then you have uh, minority groups, people's groups. So they also form the cross-cultural experience. So yeah, it doesn't always mean cross-country. Yeah, you're you're right. And I've I've learned that, like I said, when I moved. <laughs> yeah. Like, come again? Like, what? Because, and it doesn't mean, nobody's like trying to be offensive or whatever. It's just, um... It's just some things mean something totally different. And yeah. so if you don't clarify, you can offend someone. And even in life, you don't want to ruin a possible great friendship or relationship because you didn't understand or you said something that is taken a different way in, in that culture or whatever. So how... How would you say, like, if somebody, other than hiring you, of course, as as the coach, which would be awesome, but how do people approach a potential uh, partnership or merging of the business or whatever with somebody mm. that is uh, cross cultural or could be in a different country? What what's the first step they should take? I think the first step is actually is. Um... One is to, um, obviously, we mentioned again and again, not to make, uh, not to be judgmental. So the second is actually do your homework. So you could uh, ask people from that culture you're working with, whether it's within the country or cross country, and ask people to get opinion. So, but be aware that don't just ask one person, because if you just ask one person, that person's opinion could carry bias. Yeah. So it's always worth ask several people to triangulate. So do your homework. And uh, the third point is actually it's about naming it. Meaning when you approach your business partner, uh, just name it upfront to say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm aware we are from different parts of the country, a different culture, a different, uh, different part of the country or different countries. Um, we do things differently. So set it, name it as upfront and to set a rule to say, if we are not clear with each other, can we just clarify and uh, on the principle that we don't mean harm, we don't mean offense, but we really want to make our business work. So if you name it upfront, actually can make things a lot easier rather than um, you start with all the guesswork an assumption, then you you reach a point of a, a clash or, or fence. So yeah, these three things could be quite worth thinking about it. Yeah, that's I think that's really important. How awesome. Thank you so, so, so much. So where can we find you? Do you have a website or a coaching site or? Sure, sure. Uh, I do have a website. So my website is uh, com. So it's spelled as L-I-U-L-I-U-Coaching.com. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. So yeah, that's a place also you can find me. Awesome. So thank you so much. Is there anything 
else that you want to tell the audience anything important that we missed or uh something like maybe a tip that you have for them other than something we haven't touched on oh yes i would love to um to see your success to really to see you and your audience to be successful so i would love to work with you in any shape or form and uh, of course if it's coming through from Danielle's uh, podcast, I'll give you a discount. Thank you. Oh, yes, so I awesome. just uh, mentioned that I'll give you a discount. And uh, yeah, so I think the last thought is we are just different. We are just different. And there's no right or wrong. And there's no one is better than the other. So yeah, let's think that that's the most fundamental principle when we approach cultural issues. Yes, uh, thank you. You're right. That And that's something important you talked about earlier is that not one culture is better than the other or religion or viewpoint or whatever. Nobody is better than the other. We're just different and unique. And you can honestly just ask somebody nicely and if you don't understand something and then maybe you we'll get an understanding and it will be clear and it might not ever be clear. You might not ever understand it, but it's still good to treat them. Everybody is a human. Everybody deserves respect. And so just listen and just, and just, even if you don't agree, Oh, okay. Thank you for sharing that with me. I, I really appreciate you explaining it. You know, that's it. Like, that's all we yeah. need to do. Be Absolutely. kind to each other. It's important. Yeah. So, Thank you so much, Lulu. No, thank was you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking to you. As thank well. you. I enjoy talking to you. I hope you have a great day. And I would love to interview you again sometime. Yes, definitely. We can deep, uh, we can dive into some specific issues uh, deeper. Okay. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at authenticpointsofview at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart. listening to authentic points of view podcast i hope that something you heard today changes your point of view if you would like to share your views please email me at authentic points of view at gmail.com or leave a comment on facebook at authentic points of view podcast remember always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart